0: This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Awesome! If you want to just open your Bibles here, and we'll we'll pray uh, over this time just to jump into the Word of God, Ephesians chapter two, uh, and I'll meet you there in verse nineteen, and I will open us up in prayer and let let let's let's let's. Uh, receive the word today, something that'll change us into the image of Jesus and that we get some revelation. Amen. The Bible says man does not live by bread alone. So life itself we need, we need, N-E-E-D, need a fresh word. The Bible says uh, give us this day our daily bread. The word of God is daily bread. And so, let's receive this word here this morning for our families. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you for every family, every person. One way or another is connected to a family. There there is a home that they are a part of, a home they came from. And so, Lord, I pray for the families, the family unit. I pray for the husbands and the wives, even the, the single folks, the, the family that they are still a part of, whether it, uh, it's represented now in, the, in, in, in a direct, explicit sense of family. Lord, I thank you that they are connected to this family and that there is a family they're connected to. So, Lord, I pray right now for restoration in our families. Lord, where there's bitterness or unforgiveness right now, we in this community, in this gathering, we believe you for breakthrough in those areas, God. We pray that people, even as we're uh, a part of these gatherings this month, that, that de- people would get delivered of unforgiveness, of bitterness, Lord, that, that where there's division or separation, we pray that there would be restoration redemption, restitution, God, that, that, that the devil would get what belongs to him, that he would be served, Father, he would be driven out of our homes, and that our homes would be a place where God dwells, that our house would truly, our homes would truly be the house of God, and we, we just thank you, Lord, we just pray right now, just take the hand of the person next to you, come on, just, let's just pray for one another's families, so, Or we just bless the, the, the person's home, whoever you're holding the hand of, Lord, just pray for their home, God, we just invite your presence, your power, your love into their home. Father God, we bless our homes. We speak life into our homes. We pray that there is provision and life in our homes, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, let's do this, guys. Let's jump right in here. Family matters. In Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen, I just want to share three things today. Okay, three main things about family. Last week we we looked at some we looked last couple weeks. You know, we looked or last week we looked at the father's blessing, kind of this aerial view of the family. And today I'd like to just kind of go a little deeper, kind of get into the kitchen of 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 what we should expect that in a family. Because how many of you um, you would say that your main goal for you and your family is health? Anybody want a healthy family, a healthy home? And we all come from some form of unhealthy, but we want healthy. I believe that should be the north star of any family is healthy. Amen? And so so we're going to talk about what it means to have a healthy family, Uh, and not perfect, and not competitive, and not looking, oh man, the grass is greener over there. Reason why it's green, so green from your perspective is that grass is fake, people. That is, come on somebody, say amen. You know what I'm saying you need to head on over there and see if that's some that's probably some astroturf or something Because, come on, everybody deals with stuff. We are human beings. There is no grass that's greener. Yes, you can learn from others, but this isn't about, oh man, I want to, you know, this isn't competing with one another. This is all about, uh, you know, having a healthy environment in our homes. And I just want to share three things that, my prayer is that it helps you uh, create a healthy home. And so here we go. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a stranger. Look at him and say, you're not a foreigner here, okay? It says strangers are foreigners and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, here it is, and members of the household of God. And so we are members. So this is my first point is you're a member of this house. Um, you are a member. We, we, we love people as a church, and if you call this your church, this is your church. You are a member here. You don't have to, you don't have to perform. You don't have to, to be anything, quote unquote, special or whatever. You just be you. You're a member of this family. Amen? And so this is the thing here. This is the first thing I want to talk about home. I know God is talking about the house of God, and and, and this point is kind of correlating to that because every church ought to be a family because the Bible says that we are of the household of faith. The Bible says do good to all, but especially those that are in the house. And I'm saying that to you. Do good to everybody, but especially to those that are in your house. Me as a pastor, I'm supposed to do good to everybody, but I'm supposed to do good to those that are in the house, that are a part of the house. There's something about those that are in close proximity to us people that we're in relationship with people that are closest to us are the ones we're most accountable for and amen. I think sometimes people get it twisted where, where they're most accountable to people at work. They're more accountable to people at work than people in their own house. They're more committed to somebody's success at work than the success of the people in their own house. And let's not get it twisted here that it all starts at home. And I'm kind of um, um, kind of debriefing the last the last week, but that is the core. So God even says in his word, do good to everyone, but especially those of the house. Especially family, amen? How many of you know that sometimes we give a little bit more grace to family? Because if you didn't know them, you'd be like, stay away from me. But they're family. Uh, they're family. And, and you know, there's something about when you get to know somebody that there's just some grace for them. You know what? They're really struggling with this, but you know what, man? They got a good heart. Every mom says that about their kids. They could, you know, they could be in all kinds of trouble. You know what? He has a good heart. Right? And so there's something that we are most accountable, husbands and fathers, let me talk to you for a minute. You are most accountable to that woman that is in your house. To those kids that are, I know I'm not going to get any amens today, that's okay. But we are most accountable to those that are in our home. That's how God designed it. That's how God orchestrated it. That is where it all begins. I, I'm, once again, I'm kind of briefing last week, that the success of this church is predicated on the success of my marriage, and that is not one should succeed more than the other. And I understand there, depending on the week, you know one's feeling a little better than the other one, right? And that's just normal. Um, but the success of my children is predicated on the success of my marriage. That it's not about, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't just pour my whole life into my kids and leave my wife hanging. If anything, it's going to be the other way around because if I pour into her and this is good, our kids will be just fine. Because if mama's happy, they'll be happy. Somebody say amen. And if she's happy, this brother right here is happy too, okay? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. That is scriptural. That, that, there, is, there, is, there is theology and doctrine around that statement. That if this is good, I don't need to worry about nothing else. My friends will fall in line. Work will be fine. Finances will be fine. This is what matters most. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So, 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 this is the thing. In our homes, the number one thing it ought to be there is love and acceptance. We talked about this a little bit in our leadership meeting that we want people to feel loved and accepted here. If that's the only thing we get right as a church community, that is perfectly fine with me. I will go to heaven one day happy that we love people. We might have missed it here. We might have missed, somebody might have been off key here, and I wouldn't even know because I don't even know what keys are, And, and or, or you know what I'm saying, whatever. We might get this wrong. We might get this wrong. Oh, we might get this. No, but if we just love people, we'll be just fine. That is number one. Love God, love people. That's it. So that's all we're going to do as a church. What is your mission as a church? To, to be passionate for God and love people. That's it. That's it. That's all we got to do. Keep it simple. In your home, the number one thing that ought to be there is love and acceptance. Regardless of what somebody's going through, regardless of their struggle, you come up in this house, you're going to get love and acceptance. God said that we, uh, in in Scripture, in Christ, we're accepted in the beloved. Acceptance is powerful. Acceptance is a spiritual force. That if you, in Christ, uh, accept somebody, they will encounter Jesus in that context. Acceptance is how the kingdom works that I came from a broken home. I came from a lot of abuse I came from a lot of abuse uh, all kinds of abuse fill in the blank abuse period and 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 I've encountered Jesus The one thing that kept me in church was I was accepted I was accepted by the people there. I was accepted by God himself. And that if we create our homes where acceptance, you're a member of this house. Nico does not have to behave right to be a member of my family. He's a member of my family because that's my seed. He has my DNA. I know he does not look like a white boy, but his daddy is. That is my boy. All right. I know you go through we go through the checkout line sometimes at the grocery store and you know they're like, Oh, you babysitting today? No, I'm not babysitting. These are my babies. <laughs> it's my baby. You can't see the resemblance? Come on now. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but that's my baby. That's my son. He is accepted. Giovanna doesn't have to be accepted by anybody else, but she is accepted by her daddy. And if that's the one thing that princess is gonna know is daddy loves her. And that she can sometimes get over on me, but that's okay, I'm her daddy. I'm learning, I'm wising up, but that is my daughter and the bedrock of her soul is going to be daddy accepts, receives, and loves her no matter what. She can act up in there, get in trouble, get kicked out of children's church. I'm just kidding. She's never been kicked out. But daddy will still love her. Come here you little princess, my baby girl. You need to stop doing that, but you're still my baby girl. <laughs> you know, you need to leave Nico alone, but you're my baby girl. Somebody say acceptance. Family matters, and in the family, in the family, in the home, acceptance is everything. It is how God operates. Come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come unto whoever wills, let him come. Acceptance. The gospel is predicated on a holy, heavenly Father accepting broken people like you and me. He accepted us. He received us. You are no longer a stranger or a foreigner, but you are members of the house of God. My goodness. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm accepted. Right? There's a song out there, I'm accepted by the one who matters most. Acceptance is, in the Greek it means highly favored. Endowed with grace. Giovanna, Dominico, Crystal Gale are highly favored. They are highly favored in my house. They are accepted. They are received. Accepted. Acceptance in the home will create confidence and security within the individuals in our homes. It it, will put something in them. It will, it will put, because this world is crazy, so we need to prepare our, our children and the people in our home to deal with crazy out there. There might be crazy out there, but there needs to be love in here, right? There, there, might, be, there might be some mean people out there, but there's love in here. You can get bullied and picked on or whatever out of school, I'm going to teach you how to fight back. Somebody say amen. <laughs> you don't have to put up with everything. Come on somebody. And, and, and so, so love and acceptance is everything, okay? That is the bedrock. Both, you know, and so the bedrock of it. So with that, um, the bedrock of everything in our home ought to be loved. Our families must know that unconditional love will always be here. Amen? Unconditional love will always be here. In my home, Amen. When I walk in the door, I've asked my wife before. Um, actually, I asked her this morning. I said, "Oh, what are some um, some idio- like? Give me one idiosyncrasy, something that I do that's annoying to you, but that you still love and accept me." And she said, "Exact words. You just want one." <laughs> and I said, uh, "I said, you know, we. I mean, we could talk about more, but yeah. I mean, yes." Uh, I did say one. Everybody say, just one. Just give them one. <laughs> she was quick. She's like, just one? I was like, yes, just one. Um, uh, and so, they're, they're, you know, anybody um, in your home, is there anything that they do at times that could be just a little annoying, just just certain things. Yeah, like all the married people are like, yes, just one? You just want me to say one? Um, and so one of the things my wife said, I, I asked her. I said, "What is it? Like, what is that?" And she said to me, "She's like, she's like, she's told me it's annoying that you expect our because I'm a, a real tidy person." Okay, somebody say amen. amen. So it's kingdom. It's kingdom. It's excellence. Pursue excellence. Somebody say amen. <laughs> No, uh, but she said, "She says it's annoying that you expect our home to look like it's a picture in some magazine, and we got a three-year-old and a five-year-old." She's like, "That is annoying," but it is possible. Amen. Yes, I have a pass. Give it a pass. <laughs> it's possible, right? And so look, this is the thing, is that with that, with that, with that, I know that might not seem like a big deal, right? And I'm not trying to, it doesn't always have to be these dark things. It's just in family you got personalities and different likes and dislikes and propensities and proclivities and idiosyncrasies. There's all my big theological words there um, that I heard some other smarter preacher say one time. Uh, But we have all those things, but the thing is, is I'll be honest with you, I have never, with that I have never felt that I am not loved or accepted for who I am in my home. Now it's not always perfect in this and that. There's those things, but there are um, there are there are these two things I want to share here. Here's my second point: is there are two things, and I'm going to share one first. Every healthy family must have two things, and, and the first one is comfort. That there and there, there must has to be comfort. In a family. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There has to be comfort. And if you want to just turn in your Bibles to 2nd Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5 to 7. So comfort is essential to health, which in turn is essential to growth. The reason why we want a healthy home is because health produces growth. And a healthy home produces children that grow up because it's healthy. Uh, a healthy ho- church produces an environment where people grow in the Lord. That's what health does. Health's goal is growth, is, is growth, spiritual growth, mental growth, emotional growth. Um, I was underdeveloped as a teenager in some ways, because my home was healthy. I still acted like a kid. I was uh, just kiddish. I didn't quite develop because the environment was unhealthy. And I know sometimes rough environments made people grow up quick, but you get to know them a little bit. And you're like, "Man, that's like a 15-year-old in a 35-year-old body, because the health didn't promote emotional, mental, and, and just spiritual growth. And so here, let's read this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5 to 7 It says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Anybody ever been tired? Tired. Tired. Uh, but we were troubled on every side. Anybody ever tired and you got stuff coming at you? Right? You ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel? Man, it's just there's a lot going on, right? Um, here we go. trouble on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Oh, so I got stuff on the outside. I'm tired. You know, I got I got stuff on the outside. I got stuff on my insides. Man, and, and nevertheless, here we go. God who comforts. Everybody say comfort. Comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. So God used Titus to bring comfort to them. That when you're tired, your home ought to be a place where you get comfort from somebody. That in our homes. Comfort has a way of ministering to us when we're tired. Comfort has a way of ministering to us when we got stuff happening on the outside. Um, uh, Comfort um, has a way of ministering to what the fears that are going on on our inside. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus and not only by his coming but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. So here's the thing, is comfort is, a, is relational currency. Comfort is something that God gives to somebody, and they can turn around and give that to somebody else. That is, it has, it ex, you can exchange it. You can exchange it. Gia has been losing, her teeth have been coming out, her baby teeth, so she, her whole top row is gone. And she has a little lisp. She had a little lisp. So cute. But she smiled now. She says, well, we gotta get pictures without her teeth and all that. But 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 her teeth, basically, when she when teeth, tooth falls out, puts in a little plastic baggie. And so um she's she calls money um tickets. I don't know why. She calls dollar bills tickets. I don't know where she got that. But she's like, am I gonna get a ticket for this one? <laughs> right? So her 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 teeth she's exchanging. So we had put like she just lost one uh the yeah, she lost two. On, yeah, well, on Thursday, she lost one. So in the morning she got herself a little ticket, a little dollar bill. It's so funny she'll be playing with her, do- her dollies, and she'll have her little dollar bill there too, for a while. As we have this little piggy bank. So literally, this money is going to go into their college fund, but she, uh, she knows she knows she could take her tooth and exchange it for a ticket. And so I'm here to say that God, ticket, dollar bill, uh, uh, that, that, that when, when God gives you, blesses you with comfort you have the capacity to give that to somebody else. That that is something that, just like when God bless you, you can bless somebody, right? When you get blessed with finances, you, you bless somebody, right? So, so, but comfort is something that God blesses you with, so you can give it to somebody else. And I just wanna give you the definition of the word comfort. This, every healthy family must have this in the home. This is everything. Comfort is relational currency. When you receive it, you can give it. And comfort means this. It means to call to come close. That's where acceptance comes in. It means to keep close. It basically comes from two words. This is what comfort means. This is so powerful. I know comfort, sometimes we think of it as that pillow that you like or that blanket. Anybody have a blanket that you just like or a hoodie that you wear at home and that's your comfort clothes. You just rock that hoodie. Um, But this word comfort literally means to, to accept and place value on. So in our homes, it is so important that we call close, that's what it comes from, to accept, to call close and to place value on. And when our homes have that in it, you, you, you're going to be that much more powerful in this world. And it's got to come from the home. That you, you, you are, I say this all the time to my son. Who is Dada's boy? And he says, me. Who's that? And he goes, me. <laughs> I try to get him to say his name. Oh, time and time again, I tell my daughter, you are beautiful. And, and, and she's so shy, and, and I'm just going to keep doing it and doing it. she want to go hide. she like, no, no, no. No, just say, like, Gia, look at me, and, she, and she's, and I was like, you are beautiful. Comfort. I, I, I will say it, I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll say it. She's going to know it. She's going to know it. Because it is comfort that she's getting in the home. She's going to get it from me. So if some joker comes along, she's going to know, no, that's, that, that's, not, that's off. I'm not giving you nothing. Somebody say amen. Pure, set apart, sanctified, holy. Uh, unscathed, unspotted from the world. Somebody say, Amen. amen. Holy and blameless. It's, it's so funny. I have different prayers for Gia than Nico, okay? <laughs> Lord, keep her, Jesus, pure till she's 30. mature, yes. 30s, Lord. I, that's my prayer, God. In late 30s, you know, just. <laughs> Jesus, keep this girl pure. In the name of Jesus. And Nico, I'm like, Lord, make him gentle and, and giving. and it's a, it's a different type of prayer. But Lord, keep that girl pure. Somebody say comfort. It means to call close and to place value on. That right there is the bedrock of the home. That's what Titus did. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation which he had comforted was comforted in you or comforted by you. So he was comforted by somebody and he took and brought that to these guys. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for him, so that I rejoiced even more. Once again, let's look at one more, one more verse here on comfort and then we'll go to the next one. You guys all right with this? You guys learning something? All right. Um, Here we go. So Colossians chapter four, verse eight. We'll share this. Colossians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, I'm sending him um, to you uh, For this very purpose, here we go, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Once again in scripture Comfort is coming through a person to other people in Christ. And so this is good This is good because we want people in our life that know our issues and still comfort our hearts. And so that's what it was. This guy, that Apostle Paul was sending to them. He says, dude, I'm sending this guy to you um, that he might know you. Because this is the thing. In the family, in the home, people ought to know our issues. They ought to know our issues. Like my wife knows my issue. My issue is this living room can look like one of the magazines. It's my issue. It's my issue. It's not hers. It's mine. But she knows my issues, and yet she still comforts my heart. Amen? And so this is the thing. In the home, this is where the love of God comes in, is that we know each other's issues. We, that he may know your circumstances. And not always maybe issues in us, but maybe just what we're going through. If anybody ought to know what you're going through, it ought to be the people in your home. My wife and I went through, and this was more maybe a spiritual matter, near the end of last year. And it was hard for us to put it into words. And the thoughts my wife was getting in the attack on her mind, it was kind of random. And I know it's a reality in this world. The Bible says that, that, that our faith shields us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. So anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes those fiery darts affect our, our, our emotions and our mind. And we're like, what is this? And many times it is straight up spiritual. It is, it is demonic right? And so um, my wife and I had went through that this past December, and we didn't talk to each other in the process of it, because we were like, what is this? And my wife was like, I, she was like, I just was processing it. I didn't know how to communicate the thoughts I was thinking, and just the pressure, the depression and stuff. She never dealt with that, but for some time, she was getting thoughts just out there, not even like, something she's ever, she was like, what is this? And then we finally talked about it. So it was so empowering. And I was like, you know what? I had the devil beating me upside the head too, about two weeks before that. And it was unique. It was, this isn't, this is like one, and I asked her um, even recently, we were talking about it. I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she was saying, man, I didn't, she's like, I didn't know how to put it into words. I didn't, you might think I'm crazy or something. Just these things that were coming at her. Because just because you had a thought doesn't mean it's yours. You, 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 can keep, you, you can't keep birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from setting up a nest in your hair right? so, so she, we were just processing that but we as a family, we, my wife and I, we spoke about it and it was really cool for us to just be honest and open about that and, and I asked her, I said, have you felt that sensor before? she's like, no but it was, it, was this, it was this spiritual attack, for lack of a better term. But if anybody ought to know our circumstances, it ought to be those that are in our home. We need people that will comfort our hearts when they know our issues. And that is what family is for. This is the thing. Could you now think about this is God's method of spiritual growth and health. And we've all come up some degree or another, maybe in a family where you could not be vulnerable, or you just all kind of crazy stuff going on, but just act like everything's okay, everything's wonderful, praise the Lord. And there's all kind of craziness, and 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 so and so in the home, and then, then we then we come into this world and we we get married and we're bringing all this kind of weird stuff that, but but in the home, that 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 comfort is so important, and so let's go to here. I'm going to share the second one here. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 7 and 9. I'm going to teach you guys something here, and I'm okay if we kind of walk through this in a teaching manner today, Uh, but and here's the second thing. As you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'll start in verse 7, but here it is. Every healthy family must have two things, comfort, and the next one is conflict. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, conflict is normal, all right? Conflict is a part of growth. Conflict is a part of a healthy home. If there is all presumably comfort and no conflict, I'm here to tell you it's not healthy, because somebody ain't being real, and, and, and we, because, this is it. Because we're human and because we're broken, we need comfort. And because we're human and because we're broken, we need conflict. We need somebody disagreeing with us. You Look at your neighbor and say, you need somebody to disagree with you every once in a while. <laughs> look back at him and say, and, and I am that person. No, <laughs> I am here to comfort you and bring conflict, okay? All right? Married couples. A healthy marriage is made up of two things, comfort and conflict. And conflict is healthy. Disagreeing with each other is healthy in a healthy way. If I can have all the married couples stand up, please, together. Or if you're married and your spouse, I'm standing up. I'm married. Sorry, you're not married. Sit down. <laughs> married couples, stand up. I just want you to, if you're, if you're standing next to your uh, spouse, just take their hand right there. Take their hand right there. I'm gonna, I just, I just want to pray for you right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Let's pray for these married couples. Lord, and the ones just standing, there, their spouse may not be in the room. My wife is doing something right now. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for every married couple here, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray your blessing on them, Father. We pray, Father, over marriages as a church community. We pray your blessing. We pray you cover them. You keep them. We pray you give them wisdom. We pray that, God, in the marriage, in the home, I thank you that the home is the result of this union right here. The the home is always the result of the, the relationship between the husband and the wife, and we pray for there to be comfort there. And we pray, God, that there is healthy dialogue, that there is healthy conflict in the marriages, we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. "Amen." You guys may be seated. Thank you. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to give you the backstory here. Uh, David, the basically, he ended up. He was supposed to go out to war. He ended up sleeping with a woman that was not his wife. Her name was Bathsheba. He orchestrated the murder of her husband because her husband was a stand-up man, and David's plan to cover his sin didn't work. So he said, take Uriah, put him out in front, and make sure the enemy kills him. So he slept with a woman, got her pregnant, not his wife, Number two, he orchestrated the death of her husband to cover up his own sin. Next thing you know, uh, Nathaniel the prophet shows up to bring some conflict. How many of you know when we find ourselves doing something wrong, at times we need comfort and other times we do need conflict? David needed a man of God in his life to disagree with what he did. And God restored, and it's a, it's a, it's a positive ending. But I'm here to tell you right now that if Nathan just went there and comforted him and did not talk to him, did not have some real talk with him, the story wouldn't have ended the same. And God, and this is why it's so important in our homes, because we're human and because we're broken, we need people to disagree with us. We need people to help us. Nathan did not condemn David. He did not compromise with David. But God convicted David through Nathan, through the prophet. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Here we go. Then Nathan said to David, he told him a story, uh, like a symbolic kind of story, a, a narrative. And, and, and then uh, Nathan told him, basically, you're the bad man in that story. Here it is. You are the man conflict. You are that man. You can go back and read this story. He shared a story about a rich man that had all this cattle, and then this poor man had one lamb, and some guy came into town says, I need a lamb. I want to eat a lamb, basically. I'm paraphrasing, and the rich man took the poor man's lamb, and kept all of his, and killed it, and gave it to that man, and then David said, kill that man. He's done wrong, and Nathan said, you are that man. Because you killed this woman's husband and you slept with her and had a baby out of wedlock. So Nathan was a godsend. And here it is. I'll read it here. Verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Somebody say conflict. Say this with me. Say Lord Jesus. Bring people into my life. That will keep me on track. Let's pray this together. Say Lord Jesus. Make our homes places Places that are healthy, healthy. where there's comfort, comfort. acceptance, Acceptance. and healthy healthy. conflict Conflict. to make us all better. better. In In Jesus' name, amen says this, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives, into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had not basically been enough, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. And and this is the thing, Nathan, this was God, Nathan did not condemn him, Nathan did not get rid of him, but Nathan did confront him. Nathan did confront him. Sometimes relational conflict feels nasty, but it's necessary. Somebody say amen. I know it's Sunday morning, but this is good stuff, people. This is what's going to create a healthy church. This is what's going to create a healthy home. This is what's going to create a healthy marriage. This is what's going to create healthy children, healthy homes, amen? And so here we go. We, we must learn to, to make a point, and this is on, the, on Nathan's side, to make a point in conflict without making an enemy. It's possible to, Nathan made a point, but David was still his friend. Nathan point blank did not pull any punches, but he didn't lose a friend. Somebody say that takes God. (laughs) But we need people in our life that will make that point with us, church. And Because the bedrock is love. And so confrontation is just love. It's just love. I'm here to help you, David. I'm here to help you, thus says the Lord. If you look back at chapter 7, Nathan prophesied over David uh, a bunch of amazing stuff. That those prophetic words tied to the fact that David is in the lineage of the Messiah. And I'm sure Nathan showed up and David's like, oh here we go, more prophetic words. No, not today David, not today. Now this is the thing, the confrontation, the sin and the confrontation of sin didn't take away those prophetic words in chapter 7. If actually it probably prepared David to actually carry him out a little better next time. And David got it right. How many of you know David got it right? How many of you know David and Nathan were were partners in our homes? We need this kind of communication. When we allow truth in us, we start to see issues in us. my friends, is a God thing. And it is a good thing. No, we don't want somebody always constantly, this isn't condemnation. This is called uh, comfort and conflict with the bedrock of love. And it is the conviction of God. Let's go down to verse 13. So so Nathan goes on and on. And this is my last verse for, for today. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So Nathan's conflict, that brother-to-brother conflict, that produced repentance in David. There's a scripture in in Corinthians uh, that says godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. That there is a healthy sorrow that David even said in the book of Psalms, in Psalms, he says, I'm sorry for my sin. So here, I want to give you a really good quote on this that I was sharing with some of our team recently. I will not lie to myself when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. In the home, I will not lie to myself when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. David felt bad And feel, look at, in this culture, feeling bad is like, no, you're gonna wound them all. They're all gonna, you know, they're gonna go in mental hospitals if they feel bad about something. Like, don't feel bad about what you did. This isn't condemnation. Conviction is this you are wrong. And you go, I did wrong. The scary thing is if we don't feel bad, we don't live there, but the poignant, um, word the the healthy conflict at times in the rhythm of life I hope I feel bad along the way a momentary the Bible says godly sorrow produces salvation worldly sorrow produces death With godly sorrow there's always a way out and it's tied to purpose and love is the whole motive worldly sorrows because I got caught and I you know what I mean it doesn't produce anything but there is such a thing and in our homes in our homes people of God in our church we want this type of thing so David said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord he said so much right there we won't go into it too much and Nathan said to David the Lord has put away your sin you shall not die You shall not die. In one version, it says, he says, I've sinned against the Lord. In one version, Nathan says, yes, you did. And we need people to say, yes, and I messed up. You sure did. And don't rub it in. Yep, you did, man. You jacked up. Dang. Oh, man. i I going to tell mama, oh, my goodness, You You, you did what? Oh, my God. Anybody ever do that to you? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Oh, man, I hope nobody finds out. He didn't rub it in, but he agreed. He didn't disagree with them, though. Oh, no, David, it's all good, bro. I got you, dog. Let's not tell nobody. But he, he, he did. We need people to agree with us when we say, I messed up. You sure did. Yes, you did. My wife does it all the time. What do you think? I got this message. <laughs> this is real. This is real. This ain't like, this ain't Bible study message. This is called, man, I just looked back at the last few months of my marriage. I was like, oh, look at that. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Your wives better have your number. I, no, no, they do. They have your number. Just don't, just don't fight over it. Just accept the fact they got your number. Somebody say man. Amen. It's okay. There's no condemnation. This is a beautiful thing. Is my the Lord she is my prophet? Personal, I got a personal prophet. Crystal Gale, prophetess. Come on, somebody. You you better have a Nathan in your life. Let me say it this way: you better have a Nathan in your house because that's where the real deal is. Because if you can work, if you can work that out in the home, man, everything outside the home is cake. Come on now. Because they don't know you outside. They don't know you. No, they don't. I know you. You, you, you know, they don't know you. Come on now. That's real. Come on, somebody. Not like, not like those in the home do. If, you could do. if you could do home, if you could succeed in home, man, work ain't nothing. Come on, ministry ain't nothing. Y'all ain't nothing, man. I got, I do, I got stuff at home. Come on now. Let's get home right. Let's get, let's get, let's get the Holy of Holies right. Outer court, inner court, that, that comes later. Let's get the Holy of Holies right. Let's get God's presence. In. We don't need to worry about the city if we get God's presence in our homes. city's going to get it sooner or later. It's going, uh, his cup runneth over. Right? And so we got to just get, we don't need, why, why are we always pointing the finger at society about divorce? How about we just stay married and home? How about, how about you just live the thing from the holy of holies place and let it all trickle on out? Come on now. Come and, like, like the story here, and he came home tired, pressures on the outside, pressures on the inside. He got around some comfort, and they were just fine. You, you, that home ought to be that. You come home, you get some comfort, like what's it today? Comfort or conflict? Whatever it is. If love is there, it's going, I'm going to grow up. Is this comfort or conflict? Con- conflict? Okay. Which one do you want first? Okay. Come on, somebody. Which one do you want first? I- I'm the type. Give me conflict. Just let me have it. Boop, 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 boop. And then, okay, cool. Now come give me a hug, girl. Come give me a hug. <laughs> come on, somebody. Got to make it up. In the house, somebody say amen. Married folks, you know what I'm talking about. Bedrock. When we allow truth in us, we will find issues in us. When we allow, when we allow it, I want, the, David wrote Psalm 51 based on this story, and in there it says, God, you desire truth on the inward parts. Come on, at home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you, look at you ain't going to get love anywhere else like you can get it at home. You shouldn't get it anywhere else like at home, and You ain't going to get conflict like you do at home, all right? It's it's a good thing. I got a couple quotes here, and then I've just got one more point. It's a good thing to feel bad about yourself when there's something wrong about yourself. Come on now. It's a good thing to be convicted. 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 Convicted means you're busted. You did it. It doesn't mean you're condemned to hell it doesn't mean you're condemned for the next five days it just means you were wrong and you accept it it is a good thing the Bible talks about how the conscience of some is seared with the hot iron seared callous means you don't feel you don't feel and we as people of God We don't want to get, this is a term, King James term, that we get past feeling. That we don't feel no more. We don't feel no more. Don't defend the wrong thing about yourself. Don't defend it. Healthy conflict always results in restoration and redemption. Here it is. I I just got just some quotes here. Condemnation keeps you in your shame. Compromise. Your Can you guys hear that? Condemnation keeps you in your shame, doesn't let you out. Compromise keeps you in your shame, but conviction will deliver you out of your shame. Conviction is you did wrong, but here's the way out. Condemnation says you did wrong, and you're going to die there. Compromise says you didn't do wrong, and it's okay. That is scary. Come on, somebody. Once again, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Here's my last point, and we're gonna pray. We should never condemn or compromise, but God convicts. In a healthy home, we should never condemn or compromise, but allow God in our homes. Allow him to convict. Allow him to be the standard of behavior in the home. Allow him to be the standard, comfort, comfort. In the way I grew up, it was very performance driven, and part of that could have just been an inside job. Because I was abused so much as a kid, I felt the need to perform. I thought that if I just make, if I just achieve, I could work my way out of that. It was maybe just a subconscious thing. And so it was just very, even as I got saved, I was very, I'm, I'm a driven person by nature, but it's very unhealthy coming out of a home where I felt like if I did enough, if I performed enough, it, it'd be good. And I, Mary and Crystal Gale as I experienced a comfort outside of performance. I've experienced a comfort. Uh, an acceptance outside of what I did or do or achieve. So I just want to pray that over everybody here today. I want to pray the comfort that when you come into this house or your home, that you feel a calling towards and a value placed on you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.